Hello and welcome back to Pictorial on Relay FM. I'm Quinn Rose and I'm someone who did not go to art school, but I have been making an art history podcast for a full year. Hi, and I'm Betty. I'm also someone who did not go to art school and I have also been making an art history podcast for a full year. So we're basically experts now. So, you know, there's no need for any additional credentials. <laughs> That's it. We passed the threshold. We are officially experts. We're we're not we're not experts. <laughs> but this episode is going up on December 1st, which is just 2 days before the one-year anniversary of our very first episode on December 3rd, 2019. So, but thanks so much for listening, whether this is your 27th episode or your very first episode. Thanks for being here. Yeah, a lot has happened in the last year since we started this podcast, I will have to say, but um, it's been the most amazing thing in my life so far. <laughs> it's been so much fun to do. And thank you so much, Betty, for doing this podcast with me. Oh, thank you, Quinn, for asking me to do this podcast with you. It would have never happened if you never emailed me. So, Well, in celebration of our one year, we thought that we would talk about the thing that we're named after. So we're called Pictorial, which we will be totally honest with you. We picked more because we like the word than like a particular affinity for the pictorialism movement. Um, but it also is a cool thing in art history. So today we're going to talk about it. To be quite honest, uh, I actually didn't even really know what pictorialism was um, until I think you brought it up one day said, hey, at some point, we should talk about the pictorial movement. And I was like, I'm gonna Google that, because <laughs> I don't know what that is. And so, yeah, now, now I know a little bit about it. But I when when we picked this name, I just thought it was a cool word. <laughs> well, it is also that. But like that, you know, this word, we co-opted it for our podcast, and photographers co-opted it for a photography movement. And I actually, I knew a little bit about this, but the first time I ever read anything substantial about pictorialism is when I was reading this book about George O'Keefe and Alfred Stieglitz, which we talked about in our episode about that couple. But when it got to like, the first time they said pictorialism, I was like that meme of Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the television. I was like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> Oh my god, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely going to put that picture in, in the video version, so we can just <laughs> see us going. <gasps> oh, perfect. Yes, my true essence. <laughs> so pictorialism, as we've mentioned, is a photography movement that was the biggest from about uh, the 1880s to like the 1920s, 1930s time period. And to put it at its most simple, before we dive into the details, pictorialism is the idea of photography as an art form beyond purely capturing the real world. And this push towards deliberately altering how you're taking photos, whether like as you're taking the photo or especially in the development of those photos in order to create a very, in order to create something with a very heavy artistic hand in that image rather than what photography was starting just was just starting to become in this era which was anyone can take a picture and of course artists were like no but i'm special <laughs> so they made this movement <laughs> that's exactly how every movement starts um, so yeah the word pictorialism or the term to describe this particular movement um it's actually derived from this 
book、uh, called "Pictorial Effects in Photography," written in 1869 by a British photographer. And writer, I guess、um, Henry Peach Robinson. That's a very cool middle name. I, I like. <laughs> I、it. do like that. <laughs> yeah. So he、um, he had a bunch of ideas in this book, essentially, you know, about how to like compose、uh, photography and how to make it artsy, basically.、Um, and one of the methods that he suggested is to make composites. So to like stitch together different pictures, like. You know, physically in the dark room, and are making manipulations to basically like make a picture that wouldn't just be like snap in with a with a camera. Although at the time it wasn't snap; it was click, wait an hour, finish.、Um, <laughs> so, it, but you know, even even then, some of the pictures that Robinson created and subsequent pictorialists created were. Um, compositions that were manipulated after it the photograph was taken,、um, so that's kind of how yeah it's kind of how the term got started. Yeah, it's basically like how today when you could just kind of cut and paste things in Photoshop,、um, that but all by hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Photoshop was actually a physical thing that people did in in this in a studio with no lights,、um, and, and sort of an- another person that was credited with partially. Starting pictorialism was another photographer called、uh, Peter Henry Emerson, and so him and his followers they、uh, they were actually inspired by painters like、uh, J M W Turner and other painters of the Barbizon school, impressionist painters, and、um, these these movements in. Painting that was very like romantic and full of like light and shadow, as well as impressionists who、um, are were known for again playing with light and just creating these、um, very emotional、uh, images. And so impressionists also at the time were not deemed. Like they they weren't deemed as real art either, so they were kind of in the same boat photography photography and impressionism, and so yeah, so Emerson they they wanted to recreate these painting like aspects that the impressionists and painters like Turner were doing. So again, they're、um, it, like in addition to arguing that you know photography is art, they were literally inspired by actual art. What's interesting about Emerson's Perspective as well is that he specifically was critical of the composite paintings that Robinson was such a fan of and, and was pioneering, but pictorialism as a wider movement,、um, as photographers started to follow those ideas, kind of combined both of those to be like, oh, these are all ways to manipulate photography to make it closer to more traditional art styles in certain ways, but also to take advantage of certain things that can, photography can allow from artistic perspective. They can combine all of those. Yeah, it is. I do find the discussion between、uh, Emerson and Robinson interesting, like about that whole like whether manipulation and cutting and pasting and photoshopping basically is considered like you know kosher or not.、Um, but and and I think you know and obviously that conversation continues to be had over the centuries. But I just think it's interesting that there are people who are like, oh, I don't agree with photoshopping. But then you know, what about the manipulations that you do? Like setting up a photograph, like the lights and the、um, way you you people sit and the the way you point your camera. So it's all like to me, it's all manipulations. It's just some are done before you click the shutter and some are done after. But 
First of all, we are going to say the word pictorialism so many times that the name of our podcast is going to cease to be real. But <laughs> anyway, in this movement specifically, um, while they did a lot to sort of do that staging and costumes and arrangements of things before you took the shot, they were most invested in the development of the photos and how they were processing them after they had already captured the film. And that's how they got lots of the, most of their art effects. And so there were a few different kind of common processes in this. One of them I just want to mention is one of a very common one that was used, which is called gum bichromate. Um, and so they used... A couple of different chemicals, um, gum arabic, potassium bichromate, um, and then a color. And then basically this solution will harden as light hits it. Uh, but this area is able to be manipulated for several hours. So that means that the photographer does have a lot of time uh, to sort of choose the exposure to expose this uh mixture to different areas of the photo um, or even to change like what the proportions are in the mixture itself to create different looks um, and this can give you a lot of different effects in your photography and so in the end you can use this to manipulate color either by adding color to your images which was not a thing at the time um, or just by influencing like the amount of light and dark in it and the overall exposure that your photograph has and so it can create really um, not just artistic effects but effects that were clearly like the technology of cameras at the time was not capable of and so you were cl clearly showing sort of like your artistic hand in it. <laughs> Yeah, I did find one picture, and there might be more examples, but the one I found is a photo called The Flat Iron by Edward Steichen that was taken in 1904 and printed in 1909. And it's a picture taken at night of the Flatiron building in New York. And there's some like shadowy figures walking in front of it and some shadowy trees um, in the foreground. And so yeah, this obviously at the time would have just been taken in black and white because that's only thing the cameras were able to do uh, at the time and then he would have used this gum arabic method to um manipulate and um now obviously he did add some of this like green bluish color tint to it and he probably also made the like glowing looking atmosphere so i'm not sure how much of it was like there initially and how much he added but this like soft tonality was very um, much um like a key idea of pictorialism so this is an example of sort of that you know that soft tone like it makes it look like there's fog and mist all over the place which there may have been when he took the photograph but it looks like there's more all i will say about this to sort of paint a mental picture for everyone is extremely spooky vibes this is <laughs> yeah. like big spooky vibes <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's like i mean those shadowy figures look like they're coming towards you and they're gonna like haunt you or something <laughs> i feel like i'm gonna see sherlock holmes come around the corner <laughs> <laughs> yeah most likely and the other thing about this uh, picture by steichen is again you can see that he's or he overtly, I think, did talk about his influences. Uh, so he would have been very much influenced by uh, these nocturne paintings by the 
uh, American painter James Abbott McNeil Whistler. And so it again, it's it looks very much like this photograph, except that's those are paintings. Um, and then the other uh, thing that he probably was influenced by was Japanese woodcuts. So in like the early 1900s, Japanese woodcuts were like super trendy and everybody bought them and or tried to imitate them and like even artists like Van Gogh you know was influenced by Japanese woodcuts so so were these photographers so again it's just more like arguments I guess in terms of um, artists uh, in terms of photographers arguing that you know this is a fine art because we're inspired by fine art as we mentioned in the Georgia O'Keeffe podcast uh, the photographer Alfred Stieglitz was literally married to a fine artist and he was a photographer and again he was one of the pioneering um, photographers that was really trying to push photography as a real artistic medium and he can be like hey I know art I'm married to an artist <laughs> <laughs> okay a couple things with that <laughs> One, Stieglitz's position as a photographer, there was actually a lot of controversy back and forth with him. He was a hugely influential photographer. He probably is the most famous American photographer of the 20th century. But he also, like, wasn't very good at getting along with people, it seems. Um, (laughs) He specifically founded a group called the Photo Secession Group because the group that, they're like, flagship photography society didn't want him to be there anymore (laughs) um because like pictorialism was kind of controversial not totally controversial like they did have a lot of artists and it was a big thing but there were a lot of people who didn't believe that pictorialism was the right direction for photography um and Stieglitz was kind of the main person leading pictorialism as a movement it was as well as, like, a couple other people, but he was, like, the main guy. He founded this photo secession group, which was totally dedicated to pictorial photography. He created an entire quarterly magazine called Camera Work. Like, it was, he, he you know when, like, group projects where one person does all the work? That's, like, Stieglitz <laughs> for the pictorialism movement. And I think it's partially because he was so passionate about it and partially because it does seem like he did have control issues. But he totally, like, financed and edited this quarterly magazine and he ran the gallery, which was called 291, um, that was dedicated to photography, spe- specifically pictorialism. And on the Georgia O'Keeffe thing, that's... <laughs> It is very cute uh, to the, uh, the, like, I'm married to an artist thing, but he didn't get married to her until, like, after this movement had peaked out. <laughs> Good point. But, you know, <laughs> true. Uh, but later he could argue that. <laughs> the thing about being so integral to a movement and to kind of, like, be leading all of it is that if you stop doing it, then it kind of fades away without you, which is basically what happened to pictorialism. It never totally went away, um, but Stieglitz himself got more interested in modernist photography, which was less dedicated to all of these sort of artsy methods and really uh, messing with how you developed the film and all this stuff, and more towards, like, sharp lines and uh taking photos of real things and real people and sort of like city life um and stuff that wasn't traditionally taken as artistic um in sort of the fine arts kind of way and so that's where the movement and so that's where photography in the united states at least specifically um but also sort of worldwide was heading and like stieglitz himself like headed in that direction 
And then everyone else was like, hey, that's gay. <laughs> that was, again, it never totally went away as an art style, but it definitely, like, that was the end of it as, like, a really intensive movement in the, specifically in the United States and specifically in New York City, even. It really just sort of passed into modernism. So it's like when the person who does the group projects just takes off and everybody else is like, well, there's no one to do the work, so I guess we're going to fail. <laughs> yeah, they were like, oh, I guess we're kind of done now. Because it was funny because when I was reading about this, it said like, oh, it was, it was popular, it was most popular until like the 1920s. And I'm like, oh, well, what happened? And it was like, kind of just Alfred Siegel stopped doing it. Yeah, he left. <laughs> He was like, oh, I mean, there were other th- other things going on, but like, and they they had some steam past him being in the forefront of it, but like, not much. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, one thing about uh, camera work and about uh, Stieglitz's publication is actually when I was looking into it and some of the photographers and people he he ex- exhibited in it. Um, it did. Uh, I did come across some a photographer that I did know, even though I didn't know what. Um, pictorialism was, um, is uh, this uh, artist called Adolf de Meyer. And he was, um, uh, so he was a photographer, he was most known for taking pictures of famous people. Um, And uh, so to be quite honest, reading the list of famous people, he took pictures of, I don't know who most of these people are, except like King George. Um, But one photo that I do know about is this picture he took of um, uh, Marquesa Luisa Casati. And so she's um, really well known to me because her, her, a painting of hers is a frequent painting on my tour at the AGO. We have this really famous painting of uh, Casati done by the artist Augustus John at the AGO. And she's somebody who basically shows up in like, almost like every portrait around this time period. Anybody who did portraits, she showed up and they they painted her and she slept with most, most of them. Um, <laughs> that's a side note. But anyway, um, so yeah, so but I, I think it's interesting to, just to, to kind of look at these examples of what was considered pictorialism, sort of like this Casati um portrait is that um again like it shows you that like contrast and tonality and they're um like this kind of reminds me a little bit of like these renaissance chiaroscuro like light and dark paintings and again they're trying to make uh, photographs look like it was like hand drawn or something um but in in any case like his work is like it's probably one of the earliest known like fashion photography like you know like actually considered to be photography and like artistic but like fashion um you know which in later years would lead into like vogue and you know you know now fashion photography is a huge thing um but in any case it just you know it kind of got its early start with with this guy that's pretty cool i feel like all of this all of these like photography movements and little offshoots are so interconnected and also because like even though there is obviously so much you can do with photography you still are at the end of the day taking an image of the real world and so it just is more recognizable back to a single point than something like painting which spans from like portraits to to jackson pollock (laughs) where i feel like it's easier to see all of the connections and all of the through lines with photography also it's been around for a lot less time and so it is easier in that way too 
yes, that's true. Yeah, you can you can point to when photography was sort of invented back in like 1830s, but can't really point to when painting was invented because no, <laughs> that's isn't that like the earliest we have of anything? <laughs> yeah, it's it's the first like evidence we have of humanity. So you know, it's been around for quite a while. So this is a a pic a photograph that was produced by the uh, author that we talked about before that pictorialism came from Henry Peach Robinson so it's a composition with apparently it's composed of five different negatives so he took five different pictures and stitched it together so it's like um a scene of a very sick woman she's the one who's lying down she's probably dying she's th- surrounded by three of her family uh so her mom um and then i think it's like her sister apparently and there's somebody else maybe her or her dad is by the window um and his a shape is like outlined um against the light pouring in from the windows and so again he's the person who you know was really into cutting and pasting um you know photoshopping and um and so but apparently this photograph is or this type of imagery was very uh, common in the 19th century apparently the british were super obsessed with death um, so maybe because people were dying all the time because of illness probably um and they also were like infatuated with like paintings of sick or dying children they were very morbid and weird um so um so anyway so he he created a very typical like victorian image apparently um it's just instead of painting it he made it out of five different photographs that he took um and yeah so like this uh, this again so this is like one of the examples of of the composite image and um like and, and you can tell that it's you know not a single photo that was taken and in fact like it looks really surreal and i think the point isn't to look like it's a real scene of a bunch of people sitting around the point is to make it look like it's like dreamlike or surreal or some like magical mythological situation this being made out of five different photographs feels like the very early version of like what deep fakes are today <laughs> Because it's it's supposed to look real, like it's ooh, it's this is a scene that is not real and didn't actually specifically happen this way, but like we're pushing the limits of the technology that we have to make it look like it did. And on the other hand, it does look like the cover of a spooky novel. All pictorialism <laughs> is very spooky, <laughs> and it yeah. does look like a sort of a gothic horror novel. But this is I will I do like this picture though. It is it looks cool <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, so since of course Robinson was using all these cool like fancy new techniques, and Steichen they were using the bicarbonate stuff that I can't pronounce um, to uh, to manipulate the photographs. And so I think these, these discussions about uh, technology's role in art and also, you know, the question of whether photography really is art or not um, isn't something that has gone away in the past 200 years. So uh, even though Stieglitz, you know, went away, um, the the conversation about uh, photography and its place in the art world definitely hasn't. And of course, today, it's even more of like a 
conversation that we're having, you know, of course, with everybody has a, or just about everybody has a um, smartphone that they can take photographs, you can upload it to Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok or other things that I don't use. (laughs) So, um, and I was even talking to my dad, because so uh, we, I, we grew up in China, and there you the retirement age is like much earlier, and my parents would actually be retiring now if they still live there. And so I asked my dad, I was like, Oh, what do you think you'd be like doing if you're retired? And he was saying he's probably going to do like, he would be like photography and stuff. But he's like, Oh, but you know, today, it's not like before, before when you retire, and it's, you know, if you were interested in photography, and you're, it's a hobby, you would buy a camera and go take photos. Now, literally, if you're a person, (laughs) you're a photographer, apparently. (laughs) And, And this is my dad actually has a hobby of photography he 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 picked up like a camera back before digital cameras existed and he actually did do work in the dark room and like photography is one of his longest hobbies um but he's now like at all these like new people like you know he's like oh you know my uncle who doesn't even know like basically like how to take a picture he's like an instagrammer or like you know whatever and he's so like uh, so i don't know like he's like the photography hipster like he's like i liked it before it was popular (laughs) so oh my god there are so many photography hipsters these days but i love that your dad is one of them my dad is definitely one of them yeah (laughs) Well, that brings me to a little discussion topic that I wanted to end today with, which is sort of the contemporary idea of pictorialism. Because as soon as I started reading about how, like, most of pictorialism is, like, compositing images or altering them in development, and one thing that we didn't really mention in the history of this is this was in reaction to just photography in general, but also specifically the Kodak camera coming out and photography getting much easier for people much as smartphones made them easier and annoyed your dad um (laughs) but then they were like oh it's no longer super difficult to take pictures so now we need something else to be to prove sort of artistic merit to it and to prove skill related to it but all of this really made me think about instagram and smartphones and if you take a picture and then you edit it on instagram is that pictorialism what do you think yeah yes um actually i haven't thought about it very much to be quite honest um i think well so i think this is one of the reasons like even when i was looking up pictorialism and its history like the original pictorialism from the 19th century so many sources said you know this is a very hard term to define it's not really there's not really any agreed upon definition of it it's not like impressionism in a way where it's like a very specific movement even though this like there were people who who pioneered it so you know so of course um yeah like instagramming you know by the general big overarching definition of pictorialism probably would count but yeah like it it is interesting yeah because it like instagram is all about you know you're you're not just taking a picture you're like cropping it and putting these filters on it and you're um manipulating it in a way to make it appear 
um, intentional, I guess, not just something that you you snapped. And, and, and again, like that, that really is just like an easier way to Photoshop. Like it is so funny how like, originally, it's just it's so hard to take a photo and then Kodak came out and it's more um, accessible. And then but if you want to manipulate a negative, you still have to you still have to go into a dark room. And then like Photoshop came out. And then my dad's like, I used to do that by hand. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, well, whatever. And then Instagram came out. And then those of us who grew up using Photoshop were like, oh, my God, I used to have to do that on a computer and open up a program and click crop and like the lasso tool or whatever <laughs> and now they don't even have to do that so i don't know maybe in 10 years like kids can just blink and they can post on instagram well i guess it depends on if you're defining pictorialism by like manipulation of images for an artistic intent or use doing a process that is more difficult than the entry level <laughs> which is like is that what it is according to the official definitions that we talk about no but that kind of is what it is in response to and so that sort of reactive definition would mean that like oh well just editing it in instagram wouldn't count but like doing it in photoshop and doing a full redo in photoshop which is beyond like sort of the entry level app then that would count as pictorialism. I'm not saying I agree with that, but I do think that like <laughs> if I was to set up this sort of scenario to Alfred Stieglitz, once I had explained a lot of things to him, I almost <laughs> think that like he would well, okay, I think that he would probably not think it was pictorialism unless you're developing developing it by hand. But if we could get him on board with like digital editing, I feel like he definitely would be like Instagram doesn't count, which I find like a very funny like I think that the goalposts move as you go. <laughs> Oh, for sure. And and again, even to just uh, further talk about my dad, the really old hipster, um, <laughs> when I went out for a hike with my parents this past weekend, and my dad brought his, you know, like his DSLR, his Nikon, whatever, with the really good lens and everything. But obviously, we all brought our, like our phones with us. And I would say my dad used his super fancy camera twice, and 99% of the pictures were taken between my phone, my mom's phone, and my dad's phone. Um, so so I, th I think this conversation, it's similar to like when people talk about fine art and some people think it's only art if it's really if it's really skilled, like it's got to be super detailed, super naturalistic, realistic, um, like, you know, no abstraction. <laughs> um, and it's got to be like this really professional thing. And um, while, you know, others don't think that has to be the case. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be difficult for it to be an interesting work of art. Um, it doesn't have to be like realism for it to be good. And so I think similar to this photography discussion, like you don't have to use a fancy $8,000 camera to make an interesting photograph. And, um, and again, people, there are people on Instagram who have like zero, um, technical photography ability who may not even know how to properly edit but they can take something that's interesting and it could be considered art um but some people of course will still say it's not <laughs> <laughs> well what i think we've come to is what we often come to in these kinds of conversations is that the two of us have a very wide definition of art and we think that you shouldn't gatekeep about these things 
<laughs> and I just before we end, I, I do just I forgot to mention this earlier, but there is a pretty nice quote from Henry Peach Robinson in sort of talking about pictorialism. So he said, as music is only sound under governance of certain laws, so is pictorial effect. Only the combination of certain forms and lights and shadows in like manner harmoniously brought together. Wow. Well, there you go. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Pictorial and all of the past year's episodes of Pictorial. If you want to see more of us, you can find our show notes at relay.fm slash pictorial. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at pictorialpod. And if you want to, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at aspiringrobotfm. And you can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram at ArticulationsV. I'm also on YouTube as Articulations. And speaking of YouTube, we also upload these podcast episodes to YouTube under Pictorial Podcasts, where you can look at all these spooky images as we edit them into the video for you. Thanks for listening, art enthusiasts.